You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. As we get ready now to hear scripture, Judy Rosenberger is getting ready to help us hear this first section of John 15. It begins with an image that I think you'll find familiar of how the connection happens between Jesus and God and how it happens between Jesus and ourselves. And then talks about not only some of the work necessary to make sure we remain faithful, but also what's the point of it all? Why do we do it? What is God's intent for us? What does Jesus want to give to us? Hear these words from Judy as she reads them and shares with us God's good word. Today, I am reading from the 15th chapter of the Gospel of John, verses 1 through 11. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides on the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me, You can do nothing. Whoever does not abide with me in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Judy. And would you join with me in a word of prayer? Gracious, loving, and eternal God, I ask you to bless the words that I'm about to share and the spirit between you and me and between myself and those who are listening, so that all of us together might become interconnected in this indescribable, wonderful way in which vines and branches find life and meaning and bear fruit. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our minds and the feelings of our hearts all draw us closer to you in the name of Christ. Amen. What is joy? How would you describe it? 
What does it look like? For me, there are many moments in my life that I could say, well, I had experiences of fantastic joy. One of them, I still remember vividly uh, going to Zurich, Switzerland with Laura to meet our uh, second grandchild over there. Uh, Emily and Martin lived there, or lived there, and they gave birth to Leah and then Jasper. So this is the trip we're going to see Jasper. And we come out of the international gate there in Zurich, Switzerland, and start looking at the crowd to see if we can find Emily and Martin. And about the same time we see them, little Leah sees us. And she's so excited to see us that she begins to cry and laugh at the same time and hollers out, Grandmama, Poppy, and comes running to us, not a little distance away, through a crowd, focused on us and leaps into our arms. And as she leapt into our arms, I'm going to tell you, that's a joy I can still feel in this very moment. And I will never forget that moment. You have those moments too. When you are so filled with this gift of love and acceptance and things could not be better, you feel that deep joy. You don't have to put a lot of words around it. You just have to see it. You have to feel it and you know what it is. Where are the moments in your life where you've experienced complete joy? Did you know that that's what Jesus wants to give to you and to give to me right now? The ability to experience joy and to experience it completely? The disciples, I think, were a little confused when they heard that in the scripture that Judy just read to us. They're there still on that night before Christ is going to be put on the cross. They're trying to make sense of what's about to happen. And Jesus says to them, let me give you this image that there's this image of how I'm connected to God like vine and branches, an intimate tied in connection. That's where you find your life. That's where you find your strength. That's where you're able to bear fruit. And when you separate from that connection, you lose it all. And that's how you and I are to be connected, he says to the disciples. I am the vine, you are the branches. Stay connected in me. And yes, it means that to do that, we have to do the work of faithful living, which sometimes means pruning. It means being shrewd about what we will do and what we will let go of, what we'll be willing to change and what we will hold on to so that we can stay fully connected with Christ and fully immersed in the grace he gives us so we can live our life faithfully and fully. And then he says this, gives this the understanding as to why would you worry about all that? Why would you want to do the work of, of staying connected to Christ and, and, and to do the work of pruning your life? Why? Jesus says this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Be intentional about it. And if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you. Here's why I've told you all these things. This is the whole point. This is the end game. This is what I want for you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Did you know that that was God's intent? He wants your joy to be complete. The disciples heard this, and I have to imagine they went, complete joy? Maybe once in a while in my life, 
Not sure about receiving it on this night? Yes. That's what Jesus wants to give us. That we might experience the fullness of our life. That we might experience the joy that Christ wants to give us. Now, a couple of things. Remember that as he says this teaching to his disciples, they're about ready to go through some very painful moments, deep sorrow. Jesus isn't saying you get to get out of this. You get to take a shortcut around it. Part of living our life is embracing and living through the days of sorrow. To live a fully engaged life, the way in which Christ would have us live it, means that we're willing to enter into the days of sorrow and understand the full depth of that agony, the moments of pain, the moments of loss and grief, not try to hide from them, but fully embracing them. Because if you try to take shortcuts around sorrow and grief, you know what happens. It never goes away. It always lurks around you like a shadow waiting to overtake you at any given moment. To see sorrow not as an aberration of life or something that's against what life is intended for us to live as Christ lived it, but rather to see the sorrow that he went through and for us to be willing to embrace sorrow and recognize as part of the season of life. We will all experience sorrow. And yes, sometimes it seems that some people have longer seasons than others, and there's nothing that's right or good about that, not trying to justify it. But maybe that's why we have each other. Maybe that's why Jesus called us together as a community. Because knowing that we will all have seasons of sorrow and that we will all have seasons of joy, we come together to give offer and support to each other. So if I'm living in sorrow, you can come alongside me and be empathetic with me and caring and nurturing to me because you also know what sorrow feels like and you know how to get through it because you have and you're going to help me do that. And after I've gone through my sorrow, I may turn around and will turn around to help someone else in their time of sorrow because I've come to understand that sorrow is never the final word. This is what Jesus is saying to the disciples. You're going to go through sorrow, but in the backside of every season of sorrow, there is a season of joy. You're going to go through this night of my crucifixion, but soon there's going to be resurrection. And the rest of the Gospels show us the disciples went back and forth between those seasons, sometimes having great success and, and victories in the name of Jesus, sometimes struggling and failing. Back and forth they went, seasons of sorrow and joy, joy and sorrow. But behind every sorrow, there was the gift of joy. And you had to trust in that. And you have to believe in it because that's exactly the very gift that Christ wants to give us. That you might have joy and have it completely. So how would we talk about joy? I've been thinking a lot about that. How do we find joy? How do we know that it's meaningful? I first of all began to realize there are two kinds of joy, at least in my life. So this is my language. I hope it's helpful to you. There are temporal joys. These are the joys that we receive that have a shelf life. They won't last forever. If you get a new car, uh, you know, you can take joy in having a new car. That's cool. It's fun. It smells cool on the inside. You like all the new gadgets. You like the way it rides. You keep it pristine clean, you know, for five days or whatever. 
And, uh, you know, that's great, but, you know, the day will come. It's a seven-year-old beater. It's got 140,000 miles on it, and you don't really care too much about the dings and the messes inside, and you don't vacuum it out anymore, and, you know, it looks like an absolute traveling disaster. And you don't love it anymore. It doesn't bring you joy, but it gets you down the road, so yay, that's good. It's a temporal joy. Nothing wrong with that. You should enjoy a new car, but just don't assume that that's going to give you joy forever and ever. It's all right. There are a lot of examples that you and I can give. Temporal joys are part of the journey, and we need to celebrate them. But the joy that can get us through sorrows are those foundational joys. And this is the difference. A temporal joy is found when we ask this question, is this a joy that can be taken from you? Well, yeah. We could lose the car or any of the other things you might think of, and if it can be taken from you, the best it can give you is temporal joy. But if it's a foundational joy, then it can never be taken from you. My time holding Leah in the Zurich airport will never be taken from me. Now, she's older, and I'm older, and we're going to continue to get older, and, but that, that moment <laughs> will not be taken from me. The things that can't be taken from you bring you foundational joy, and that's the strength you draw upon when you're growing through days and seasons of sorrow. And when you get to joy, when you get to joy, you discover this. My definition of joy is in that moment, the reality of being exactly of who you are created to be. All the pretense, all the falsehoods, all the shortcomings that you get to be who you really authentically God always intended you to be. And then secondly, find yourself in exactly the specific place where you're called to be for that moment. And thirdly, to do exactly as you are, where you are, what God needs you to do and needs you to be. When those line up, there's nothing better you know, that's where I was. I was exactly where I needed to be in the Zurich airport. I was exactly the poppy that Leah needed me to be. I was exactly in the place where she could see me and embrace me, and I was doing exactly what God asked a poppy to do in that moment, that's hold his baby. But I find that also to be true. I find it in moments with Laura. I find it in moments in ministry. I find it in moments with my dad. And when you're living in that place, it's joyful. And it's foundational because those are the moments that ground you. And when sorrow, the seasons of sorrow come, that joy isn't taken from you. And while you fully live into the grief and sorrow that might be happening at the moment, you know that that joy has not gone forever. And on the backside of this sorrow, there's more joy to come. That's the gift that Jesus Christ is offering. And when we live through those moments and live into the moments of joy, we discover we're able to do that because we're tied into Christ. We know whose we are and who we are and what we're called to do and be. And in that moment, it is precious, it is wonderful, it is joyful. And so I began early in my life to think about that as a way of seeing this life I know that there are going to be seasons I'm going to experience. I certainly have had many of them. 
where I've experienced deep sorrow. But I've also come to discover that joy will be on the backside. Early in my ministry, there was a man who I just very much uh, appreciated and respected. He was a good man. He was a successful man by any measure. He was successful in business, uh, successful as a really good husband and father. Um, He's the father of three daughters. And I thought that was amazing. I had two. I was wondering about how I was going to survive. Um, but he balanced out grace and love and laughter and the ability to let the mom and the daughter sort of do their thing. But he was always there. He was present. And they would invite, that family would invite Laura and I as very young clergy in our first church to come over on the weekend when everybody would gather together. It was insane. It was crazy. And it was beautiful. And I thought, this man's living the, the, just a blessed life. And he knew that he was. And he was humbly grateful for it. And then the day came when tragedy struck that family. And there was an accident, and a granddaughter died. And he said to me, I always held my breath afraid because everything was so good. I knew one day this day might come. And I, I thought about that. And I worried about him because I was afraid it was going to crush him. And it did for a while. He and his family were devastated as they went through those days. And they should have been. It was horrible. And they were willing to live into the sorrow and the grief. They didn't run from it. They didn't act like it wasn't real. They didn't just sort of shift over it. They really, really grieved together. And over a period of time, they came out of their deepest sorrow. Life went on. New lives came into the picture, new grandchildren. And it wasn't like they replaced anybody. Not even close. But they allowed joy to become the gift that Christ was giving them. That led them from a season of sorrow into a new future. That example taught me so much. Today, we are living in the middle of a very chaotic, crazy world, and I don't know where you are personally in your life. The truth is, there are reasons to experience sorrow right now. And there are reasons to experience joy. For Christ is still blessing us, and there are amazing things happening around us. The question is, are we willing to embrace the seasons that we're in and trust Trust that what Jesus said on this night in John 15, he means now. I'm saying all this to you. Live in my love. Follow my commands. Love and live like I do and did, Jesus is saying, so that you too might have joy and have it completely. That's the gift that Christ wants to give us today. And if you're living in a time of sorrow, a time of fear, it doesn't invalidate your faith at all. It's just the season for that. But allow others to come alongside you. Let Christ come alongside you to let you fully embrace the grief and the sorrow that you feel so that you can be ready to fully embrace the joy that Christ has in store for you. There's a movie a few years ago that I really enjoyed. It's called The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. It was set in India. 
Um, it's a romantic comedy. And one of the main characters, every time something seemed to be going wrong, had this quote. Everything will be all right in the end. And if it's not all right, then it's not the end. Now, that's more than optimistic thinking. That's understanding the invitation that Christ gives us. Christ wants us to have complete joy. And that will be the gift that God gives us. And we will begin to experience it more and more, in part, all of our journey, even till the end. My prayer for you this week is this, that you would take this time to be intentionally connected to Jesus Christ. Grow in your experience of prayer. Grow in your understanding of Scripture. Grow in your trust to what God is doing in your life and being open to the Holy Spirit. Be intentional about that. I hope that you'll be able to do that and then look for the gifts of joy. Look for the seasons of joy that God is making possible around you and in you. And then share that joy. Share it with the world. Go alongside others who are in seasons of sorrow and not let them go through that alone. Be their comfort. Be their compassionate one because you've known sorrow. You know how to be with them in that moment and be with them until they too re-enter into a season of joy. Don't rush them, but walk with them to that moment. Let Christ make it possible. Jesus said, on a night which it seemed impossible to think it was possible, I've come that you might have joy and have it completely. He's not saying it just to those disciples. He's saying it to you. He's saying it to me. May it be so. In the name of Christ. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.